We all think about what we eat. We plan our meals or count carbs or do any number of other things when it comes to what we put in our bodies. But do you ever think about the flavor of what you consume? Sure you do. What we eat or drink either tastes good or it doesn't. In fact, taste is the number one consideration in what we consume. Yet, there's more to it than just like or dislike. And there's even a whole industry dedicated to it. Flavor is memory. Flavor is feeling. Flavor is science. Flavor is art. Flavor is Fona. Welcome to Fona's Flavor University podcast, where we explore the science, artistry, and industry behind flavor. Today, we welcome Pamela Oscarson to the podcast. She is the Consumer Insight Manager. We're going to be discussing what we call Flavor Radar. Morning, Pamela. Morning, Corey. How's it going? It's going well. Pamela, we're going to start this really easily. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and you know tell us how you got into this industry and we'll go from there. Sure. So my name is Pamela. I have been with Fona since 2006, so almost 15 years. Um, actually, Fona was my first job out of college. I did didn't even realize that the food industry existed. So I think now, looking back, food and flavors has been a huge part of my life. And ultimately, like all consumers, affects the things that we're purchasing and the way that we're eating and cooking and doing all sorts of things. So thinking back to 2006 and starting my career, I actually owned Flavor Radar then. So having Flavor Radar be ingrained in my entire career, and now it's a part of my life. So even my six-year-old son speaks in flavor descriptors. We visit the grocery store and I'm that crazy lady taking pictures in the produce section and actually even yesterday in the frozen section. Um, it has become such a part of my life and how ultimately affects how, how we live it. Because like you said, food is such a huge part of our lives and how we exist with others. So lots of fun there. Now, you're, you're talking about flavor descriptors. For those of us who maybe not know what that is, what, what's a flavor descriptor? I know when I eat something, I'll be like, oh, that was salty or, oh, that was sweet. I'm sure there's there's more words or more adjectives out there. Oh, exactly. We, we take it to a whole new level. So think about an apple, right? A green apple, when you bite into it, it's juicy. Or an apple can be cooked like you would see an apple pie, um, or even you add your cinnamon notes and then you have a, a spice essence to it. So it's um, there's words or a whole essentially vocabulary around how we describe things. And we use flavor descriptors to create that common language with our customers. And sometimes as an average consumer, you wouldn't even think that way. Like, oh, it's a green apple, right? Golden and delicious or granny Smith means something different to us than it would to an actual consumer. Hmm. And what if I don't have the proper word? Is there like a dictionary of descriptor words, something like that? Yes. Yeah, so our sensory team has a full list of descriptors pretty much in every flavor family that you could think of. Now, when I hear flavor radar, which you've mentioned a couple of times, I mean, to me, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking of like a submarine and like, I'm, you know, I'm seeing something without actually seeing something. Are you guys doing some kind of like flavor predictions? Are you like, flavors, you know, psychics or how does, how does that work? Talk to me about flavor radar. So flavor radar is our flavor mapping methodology. And essentially we map flavors from novel idea to everyday pantry staple. And I use lots of different indicators. So seeing what's happening on restaurant menus to where products are being launched and the types of products that are being launched. I often describe Flavor Radar, even talking to others not within the industry. So predicting flavor trends is a lot like being a weather girl, right? Like you're following your data and your tracks and seeing what's happening, but the wind shifts and something can take you completely somewhere else. A huge snowstorm comes in with flavor. Think of what happened last year with COVID. We were not predicting the grocery store shelves to be completely empty. So that one swift kick, essentially, of COVID transformed what happened within the food industry. 
So let's talk about the pandemic. How has COVID changed your job or how has it changed what you do? Sure. So ultimately, we have to put our consumer hat on because that's how consumers have or are making decisions has ultimately impact the types of products that our customers are launching and the types of flavors that we would recommend go into a product. So if my job within Flavor Radar is to track where products are being launched, the increases over time, really looking at that data within our methodology. So most of restaurants were closed all of Q2. So we're unable to track the types of new menu items that are coming in, into restaurants. So that ultimately impacts kind of the short-term and long-term growth of flavors within restaurants, as well as consumers were buying basically all of the products on the store shelves within Q1 and Q2. Um, toilet paper doesn't fall within our category, but if you look at breakfast cereal and rice and all of your pantry staples, consumers were buying products that they aren't brand loyal to, and some of them even switching because they like it better. So ultimately affects how consumers are making decisions. So I'm going to ask you to put take off your consumer hat and let's have you put on your flavor radar or psychic hat, as I'm going to call it. What's on the horizon? What's big upcoming? What are people really getting into? Uh, or what are were they getting into that we didn't expect? Yeah. So a lot of this or a lot of flavor trends ultimately come down to how consumers feel. And I know you talked a little bit with Dr. Bob about feeling and things, but for us, we're sitting primarily within the everyday category. So how do flavors or even products make consumers feel good, right? Like I made tons of banana bread while I was stuck at home. But taking those flavors and ultimately how we'll need to move forward is with a twist, right? Because I don't just want plain old banana bread anymore. I want to introduce different nuts. I want to introduce different spices to kind of take that to the next level. I think consumers quickly become bored, but ultimately they still want those feel good favorites that grandma might've made. Might have It makes you feel comforting, right? But how can I do that with a twist? Cool. So Pamela, what exactly is driving the future? What fl- what flavors are going to be driving the future for us? So for me, I look at a couple of different categories. So a lot of things that consumers interact with. So community is huge with consumers right now. So looking at health and wellness and how that can influence. So their elderberry is the first thing that comes to mind. You're seeing in a lot of community supplements. Um, a lot of flavors are driven by health as well as celebrations, right? There's been a huge pullback on consumers celebrating together. So you're seeing a lot of products come to the store shelves that have celebrations in mind, right? Flavors like birthday cake, even oatmeal cookie, or even carnival flavors we're seeing come to the top. And one of the pictures that I actually took in the grocery store yesterday was craft beer flavored French fries. So that idea of they're not, consumers are not going to the breweries to taste their different flights, but they're taking, kind of connecting those two flavors of the comfort food of French fries and the unique flavors of craft beer and bringing it together so consumers can cook essentially in their air fryers at home. That sounds delicious. I will take three. Uh, So let's, let's concentrate on some of the more out there. Like I, I always listen to a lot of things about the more strange or unusual. So let's talk about like kind of the strange flavor trends that you're seeing. So to me, strange comes in the aspect of grasses, florals, kind of out there ingredients that fall within our novel category. So something like ashwagandha, which most consumers won't even know how to pronounce, but an understanding like, okay, it's kind of earthy and it's it's really good in supplements. And sometimes it helps with relaxing and sleep. But even like barley grass, which is in the novel category of our flavor radar, consumers won't grow barley grass at home, but it's something that we're starting to see in meals meal replacements and supplements because it's really good for you. 
And so say that again for me, ashwagandha, is that right? Ashwagandha, it's an ingredient. So a lot of times for us, those ingredients fall within the novel category. So if we think back to 2006, when I first started working on Flavor Radar, pomegranate was huge, right? It, It came in the produce section of the grocery store within Palm Wonderful. And then as it started to progress through up and coming and mainstream, it kind of spread like wildfire throughout the rest of the grocery store. But the one thing that is interesting about that, that it no longer tastes like pomegranate seeds or or the inserts within there because they're very astringent. So the consumers have morphed over time their acceptance of pomegranate as a flavor. And ultimately today, it is what the new mixed berry flavor is within, that's very popular within the supplement category. So let's talk about something that's more common. So we'll we'll steer away from the odd or the strange. Um, Let's talk about, you know, things that seem to be more seasonal, like pumpkin spice. I mean, pumpkin spice, everything, coffee, spam, you know, whatever else is out there. Where, where, what are those flavors like? Is, is pumpkin spice one of them? Are there others that are like that? So pumpkin spice is one that I always say isn't going anywhere. We often get asked like, okay, what's the next pumpkin spice? There, there is no next pumpkin spice. A lot of times we compare it to maple and other things, but consumers have that craveability for pumpkin spice. Let's think about, okay, so when would you expect pumpkin spice to come into the store? I would probably say somewhere around October, late September. So at this point, pumpkin spice or the pumpkin spice latte is now competing with back to school. It's August because consumers are craving it. They're, they create countdowns online with social media of when it will be launched. And it's almost like the two most popular coffee chains are going head to head to who can launch it first because consumers want it so bad. It's that anticipation of the season that consumers love. Do you see any of those flavors kind of dying out or any of those trends kind of going away? Like you said, pumpkin spice isn't going anywhere. So great. You know, if there's stock out there for pumpkin spice, you know, let's let's hype that up. But is there anything that's kind of going away? One flavor that I actually thought was going to go away that keeps coming back is the idea of unicorns. So pumpkin, unicorns, zombies, you would think like that would die out over time. I keep seeing new products being launched with that. So it's as those little girls are growing up and unicorns are becoming extremely popular, it's continuing to grow just like pumpkin spice. Yeah. My daughter just got a set of unicorn boots the other day and she was, everything is now boots, boots, can we think boots? And I'm just like, sure, why not boots all over the place? Now unicorn is synonymous with boots. So. Right. And it makes her feel good, right? She's happy. It's connecting. That's the products that we're buying around unicorns. It makes you feel good, right? It's that kind of fairyland aspect to it, which consumers love. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the fantasy arc kind of thing, because we have this reemergence of like superheroes and fantasy movies and whatnot. I think, you know, definitely connecting flavor with that genre is, is something that's huge. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's huge. Even think about blue raspberry. There is no such thing as blue raspberry. And that flavor has been extremely popular in kids products for years. And it is my favorite snow cone. There you go. Uh, right. You know, just throw that out there. <laughs> All right. So why do you believe that consumers are attracted to either these unique flavors or these kind of, you know, memory flavors is what I'm calling them for, you know, kind of comfort flavors. Why are people attracted to these or not? It all goes back to that memory and that trigger of what makes you feel good. But it ultimately comes down to taste, right? Who wouldn't love a pink little frosted cookie that's delicious and sweet and it Sometimes it makes your cheeks pucker because it's too sweet, but it makes you feel good, right? It's the reward after a good workout or after a long week, right? It's that those feel-good flavors will always be successful. So I'm learning a lot of new and really things I didn't consider before, you know, how flavors kind of 
when I taste something, it makes me think of unicorns or when I taste something, it, it gives me that feeling of, you know, being home or being full and happy. Do people tend to gravitate more towards the flavors that, you know, give them that sense of, you know, memory or do they tend to like to reach outside their, their comfort zone? I, I suppose it depends on the taster, but what do we see more of? So I think we see a good mix. So I think it depends on the occasion. So think of consumers used to be traveling all over, right? They have that jet setting experience that they're seeking. So while most consumers gravitate towards the everyday flavors because it's something they're familiar with, they're not necessarily sometimes willing to splurge on a product that they might, I'm not sure if it's going to taste good, right? I'm not, might be pinching pennies. I'm not sure that I want to risk buying something when I know that this product already tastes good. So in order to kind of get around that, you might want to pair everyday flavors with more up and coming flavor profiles. Like, oh, I, I know that I like that blue raspberry, but I'm not really sure what acai tastes like. So, but I'm willing to try it because it's something that is paired with something that is familiar. So I'm hearing a lot of emotion playing a role in what I choose or what flavor we choose. Can you kind of elaborate on that? How does emotion play a role in flavor movement, we'll say? Sure. So emotion is really driven by your experiences. And we know that consumers have a lot of different experiences and it's really driven by routine, right? Our routines are very, very similar for all of us these days. But as we get to what's happening next and where the world will be going, I think consumers are going to be open to trying new things, right? We've been stuck in this rut of routine and we want to get out, right? We want to celebrate. We want to do things together and enjoy new flavor experiences. But how we connect this ultimately to products and how our customers introduce new products is kind of overlaying the two. So where does Flavor Radar come from and what flavors are on there with the product attributes? So if your product, let's let's say your company X and you have a product that is premium and it's unique and ultimately consumers are driven by taste. You'll pick flavors that fit within the premium aspect. So let's think of caramels and rich tones and um, combining those two and understanding what product attributes you have and what flavors fit within those camps will ultimately launch help you launch an ultimate successful product. So we're going to switch gears a little. I know that we've talked a lot about of, you know, a lot about what flavor does or is or what flavor radar it is. Why is flavor radar important? Why why is that something that, you know, we keep at the forefront of of Fona? Sure. So ultimately, we want to help our customers be successful, right? We need to keep our fingers on the pulse of what is happening within the industry so that we can stay ahead. Consumers are are ultimately at at the forefront and the core of flavor radar because we like the weather girl, right? We need to predict what's happening next to help us ultimately determine where flavor is going. Talking about flavor radar and why it's important, let's talk about, you know, basically something you've predicted, something that you've seen on the horizon and then saw it come to fruition, saw it come, you know, and be successful. Sure. So one of the flavors that is on our flavor radar this year is um, it's Zotter, but it's also pronounced Zatar. So it's a Middle Eastern spice blend. So we always get phone calls and emails around what flavors are you going to predict and what's going to happen. So Zotter is actually one that I kind of put my thumb on the past couple of years of watching where it's going. And through an interview last year, um, 2020, they're like, all right, what Middle Eastern flavors? And I was like, all right, Zotter, it's it. It's bound to happen. And we're expected to see it. It has to be on a Trader Joe's shelf um, very soon. And it actually, this year, January of 2020, it was actually spotted within Trader Joe's. 
So it kind of goes back to that jet setting influence, right? Consumers aren't getting to the Middle East and having all of the zotter on the non bread. So how do we bring those experiences of travel and jet setting into the consumer's kitchens? So what am I going to put zotter in? You can put it on chicken. You can put it on pita bread. Like I always joke, I joked within my Flavor Radar webinar saying like they should have called it everything but the pita, very similar to their everything but the bagel <laughs> seasoning, but their their marketing did not um, ask me for my opinion on naming. So that's okay. Yeah. I've seen that trend where people are doing the, they'll take a little slice of pepper, like uh, bell pepper, cream smear, cream cheese. So instead of doing the everything bagel, we'll do the zotter instead. Exactly. Awesome. That uh, Maybe that'll actually get me to eat vegetables. <laughs> So Pamela, I'm seeing kind of a, a newer emergence, whether it's on social media or I guess you can call TikTok a social media, right? Not that I'm like super addicted to it, but I am. And I've seen a lot of things where people are, are making these like balls of, of chocolate, uh, like almost they look like a, a lint chocolate, but inside are like any number of mixtures of sprinkles and marshmallows and whatever. And then they just put it in a cup and they pour hot milk over it. So I guess what I what I'm wondering here is like I know Flavor Radar looks at flavors on the horizon. What about like new experiences of eating the same old food? Yeah, so the hot chocolate bombs are an excellent example. I'm actually kicking myself that I didn't come up with that mm. excellent delicious idea, right? It's all about the experience and like my son loved I received one as a gift. So we the whole experience of watching it open and then you're mixing it together and it's rich and creamy and and delicious is something that consumers crave, right? It's like ooh and it's all like you mentioned, it's all over social media. So trying to figure out creating that experience into a seasonal aspect of what's next, right? It's going to be warm soon. So is there going to be a lemonade bomb or what's happening? Is it going to be fizzy? Um, those experiences and the taste experiences are really exciting. I think we need to look into some kind of alcohol bomb of some sort. That's bringing kind of back to my college days, but having an all-in-one, I think. Um, also, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to trademark this right now and just say that's mine. And if you want to get on in that, you can get in on that. Uh, so why don't we just move on and talk about you? I'm going to ask you some quick questions some just quick, like personal favorites, uh, personal dislikes and just answer whatever, whatever comes first to your mind. So what is your favorite flavor? Oh, caramel. And why? Oh, just the aspect of like, I was a little kid and my dad, like for Valentine's day and things would give gifts of caramels. Right. So it's like connected to memory, but they're so good. And as you become an adult and working within the flavor industry, you try lo lots of different products. So if you're trying to find your favorite and the flavor pairings that go with it, caramel is my favorite for sure. Yeah. Big fan. I'm a big fan of combining that with ice cream, obviously, whether it's a swirl or just right on top. And I also probably say it wrong half the time instead of caramel or caramel. Yeah, that's my husband and I have that debate, but like tomato, tomato, right? It's, it, it's delicious and that's all that matters. I heard it was like one of the form, like whatever form it comes in. If it's liquid, it's caramel. If it's like solid, it's caramel. Wow. Maybe I'm mixing that up. Anyways, uh, so let's talk about your least favorite flavor. Mustard by far. Oh. Yeah. Bad experience or just? I, I don't know. Like, it's just something like we, as a kid, we would get in school, you'd get, we called it Eagle Eatery, right? We were the Eagles. So once a month you got takeout essentially, you know, it was a McDonald's cheeseburger and I always wanted ketchup only. Like I can still taste what that mustard tasted like on my cheeseburger. Like can't do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's talk about a flavor that you don't like, but you wish you did. And I know I like personally, I am not a big fan of yogurt 
and it's just something about it doesn't doesn't do it for me, but I really want my daughter to eat it. So is there something like that for you? It's probably kombucha, right? That aspect of like the bubbly, like it's supposed to be really good for you and great for gut health. And until you find the right one, you're like, oh, I should be drinking this. It's good for me, but I, I just can't do it. I see. Yeah, I've I've not actually tried kombucha yet. I, I've heard a lot of a lot about it and like you can buy, you know, make your own kombucha kits and you know, things like that. Okay, so on that kind of list of things you you know, you want to get your kids to like or that you like or whatever, what's a flavor that you can't live without? What is something that, you know, first thing in the morning you wake up, if you think of that that flavor, that's what you want. So for me, that's French vanilla, like back to basics, right? I include French vanilla coffee creamer every single morning, right? It's something that's, I know that tastes good and I want to start my day off in the right direction. Yep. I, I, I go back and forth on that with my coffee, whether it's French vanilla in the morning or just regular coffee. Oh yeah. There's no black coffee here. It's all mm. about the, and I, I didn't, I didn't drink coffee until I started working on projects at Fona and then it was way more coffee creamer than it was coffee. And I've slowly pulled back on that. Just like thinking like, Oh gosh, I'm using too much coffee creamer. Let's get to the ultimate, the great taste of coffee. Yeah. No, I want my coffee. Like I eat my ice cream sweet, just like my personality light and sweet. Um, all right. So flavor radar is a very broad topic and obviously we're barely scratching the surface here. What's, what's a takeaway that we can give to our listeners about flavor radar? Yeah. So flavor radar is, is exciting. It's something that like I dream about, right? Because I've lived in flavor for so long. It's, it's exciting, but ultimately at the end of the day, flavor radar is grounded in science, right? It's grounded in data to help us predict what patterns, are ultimately going to be driven by consumers. So we know that taste comes in number one, but willingness to try something and explore, it, it's great. It's great for consumers, but it's also great for our customers. So like I mentioned before, so marrying those product attributes with flavors on the flavor radar will help you predict and launch great tasting products at the end of the day. Awesome. All right. Well, we want to express our most sincere thanks to Pamela Oscarson for joining us today. So please join us next time when we welcome Jennifer Howell, our Director of Regulatory Innovation, where we are going to dive deep into flavor regulation as well as labeling. But until then, the flavor of Fona is the flavor of life. So get out there and taste it. <laughs>